All right, this is the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. Ed Carberhall here. As always, this week, Matthew Hawkins is off fighting crime in the streets of Southern California. So filling in for him is uh, Sure Dog's Ben Duffy. Uh, ben, thanks for uh, taking time to do this with me, man. It's my pleasure. I needed to return the favor since you guested on my show a few weeks back. Yeah, off the chains. That was fun. So uh, just for folks that aren't familiar, can you just... Uh, uh, say your your position over at SureDog and what you do there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am a senior editor at SureDog.com, which in my case at least means I do a little bit of everything. Uh, I, I write features, I write opinion pieces, I interviews, I do a lot of actual editing. You know, if you catch any typos or other blunders on the front page in, in an article, there's about a one in four chance that I'm the guy that let it slip by. Hopefully not too many of those. <laughs> And then I am our primary graphic designer as well. So any franchise logos you see, infographics, things like that, I probably made them. Oh, that's cool, man. I didn't know that. That's dope. I actually like those a lot. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> so um, so actually, when, when I was on Off the Chain, that's when you told me that you you actually listen to the podcast sometimes, which is one of the reasons I invited you on to fill in for Matt uh, as soon as he told me last week he couldn't make it. So you were the first name I thought of. Um so anyway, uh, let's get right into it. I figured we'd talk about um, Matt and I usually uh, kind of recap uh, what we saw over the weekend. And Saturday, uh, uh, the Bellator 225 card was uh, a rarity, something that, uh, you know, out, even though the, the main event was a little weird, but it was all finishes. So, I mean, I just wanted to get your take on how you felt about the card, if there's any fights you were interested in. Did you catch the whole thing? Uh, well, I'll I'll break it down for you. And it's actually more than a rarity. Something I learned just yesterday in recording off the chain, and I will give full credit for this. This is Jay Petri, our contributing editor and our in-house stats guy, pointed out that the 14 finishes in 14 fights mm -hmm. is the record for modern era Major League MMA. So talking mm. about UFC, Pride, Strike Force, World Series of Fighting, PFL, Invicta, just, you know, rattle them off. You know, say modern era as in, like, say the post-tough era, it is a record. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. I mean, I couldn't think of anything because I feel like the only people recently in the era uh, that tracked it was uh, last season's PFL because I remember Ray Seffel had somebody tracking the, the finish rate. Um, so that's interesting. I mean, if, as soon as you said Jay Petri, I was going to, I was like, yeah, of course it'd be him. Cause he is the, he's always coming out with, uh, stats and numbers. It's one of the reasons I like talking to Matt too. Cause Matt, Matt's encyclopedia about the history, but I, I noticed that when we did off the chains with Jay, that he's very, uh, he, he's like that with, uh, with stats. Yes. So. Yes. And I mean, he knows those things for a fact cause he has these giant spreadsheets that track everything from actual weights to finish methods to walk out music. It's insane the stuff he knows. <laughs> That's cool though. I mean, it's good to know somebody like that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so what do you think about as far as like, uh, and, and I, I think I brought it up uh, when I did off the chains with you guys, but like, so there's cards that are, that can be riddled with decisions and suck like belt, like um, UFC 208. And then there's things like this past weekend with Bellator um, is as, as a fight fan yourself, what do you prefer? Cause um one of the fights, like, I don't mind if a fight goes to a decision if it's good. Like, I liked, 
Adesanya versus uh, Anderson Silva. I thought that was a good fight that went to a decision. And then most recently, the Yo Romero versus Paulo Costa. You know, that's that's one uh, that was it went to decision and it was fight of the night. So what's your what's your take on uh, like fights as a fan? What do you like to watch? I like finishes. I mean, obviously, I got into this sport way back when I did because I saw, you know, some highlight reel. I mean, there weren't even GIFs at the time, but, you know, I saw some like scraped like MPEG one layer video of some dude knocking another dude out. I mean, that's that's what I got into it for. As I've learned more about the sport and learned more about the arts that make it up, I can appreciate all different kinds of fights. So as far as I'm concerned, if it is a high level fight with high level fighters and high stakes, as long as they're showing out what they can do, I'm fine with it either way. In fact, I'd say my three favorite fights of the year so far would be uh, Adesanya versus Gastelum, which went to a decision. Mm-hmm. And then Luque, Vicente Luque versus Brian Barbarena, which it ended six seconds before the end of the fight. But, mm. I mean, it was six seconds from being a full three-round fight. And then uh, maybe Ferguson versus Cerrone. So, I mean, you got all three different kinds of fights there. You've got a decision that was a complete war, and there were swings of momentum, and there were moments where either guy could have finished the other guy, maybe. And then it went to a decision, and the judges didn't ruin it for us because, it, you know, it was a righteous decision. And then you, you had a couple finishes. I'll, I'll take all different kinds. If I'm mm-hmm. watching low-level stuff, you know, where maybe the, the skill level on display isn't quite as high, I just want to see when someone get knocked out or choked out. I want to see something <laughs> spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Like you want it to end if it's not that exactly. entertaining, I guess. But um, usually like when you see two high level guys go at it um, and it does go to a decision because they're so tough. It's just uh, it's just great to watch. I mean, I always respect uh, the the time that these guys put into to refining their craft as martial artists, whether they be jujitsu guys or strikers or and mixing it all together. Um, I forget the event. uh but like uh, Matt Serra versus uh, Carl Parisian, that was actually the fight that got me into jiu-jitsu because of oh. the reversals and stuff like that. So that's actually one. I, I, I should know the number of the event, but um, it's a long time ago. But, um, you know, the beginning of the fight, Matt Serra almost got the, the KO finish and Parisian came around and was able to get in the clinch. And then it was just like, you know, back and forth, ground and pound, submission attempt after submission attempt and reversals and stuff like that. So a fight like that, it's like, you know, it goes the distance, but I love watching it. So, uh, I, I mean, it depends on who's fighting and how they're doing, I guess. You know, it's not like no, no one's going to uh, – people were dying for a knockout with uh, when Derek Lewis and uh, – was it Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou? Oh, that, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And, okay, you, you bring up a good point. I mean, that is one of the most dreadful fights of all time. Like mm-hmm. that, that seriously, it was just absolutely awful. But at the same time, I don't know if you remember when uh, Krokop and Frank Mir fought back in the day. I should remember that. Okay. <laughs> you, you, if you don't remember it, it's because your brain has, like, flushed it out. <laughs> because it was basically the same fight as Lewis versus Ngannou. Just a clinch fest, stagger around fest. Nobody did anything. And then Mir knocked him out with a knee with, like, a minute oh, left to yeah, go or yeah, something. Yeah. That's and yeah. a finish does not redeem a terrible fight, I guess, is, yeah. is where I'm going with that. I mean, if if Mir had knocked out Crow Copper vice versa in the first minute of the fight, whoa, that would have been spectacular. But after 13 minutes of just nothing, a great finish doesn't doesn't redeem a terrible fight. Yeah. 
No, you're right about that. I mean, that's a really good point. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I was just uh, after the after the I didn't realize that after Beltor 225 that everything went to to a, a complete uh, finish. You know, until I looked back at the results and you know people were talking about it on Twitter the next day. So, but um, again, the uh, the main event of that one. It's kind of like, even though it was a finish, it wasn't a great finish because of, you know, uh, the thing that was happening with the mouth. It was weird. It was a weird finish, you mm-hmm. know? So I almost like, I don't know if you guys talked about this on Off the Chain, so I apologize if it's redundant to you, but I mean, would you want to see them run it back on, for a third time? Only, of the... <laughs> only out of morbid curiosity to see what weird thing happens this time. Because you had <laughs> the nutshot finish. Yeah. The weird distraction of the mouthpiece finish, you know. I, I guess I'd want to see what happens next, but honestly, we're talking about Mitrione is forty-one, mm-hmm. and uh, what's his name is 39, 30, 38, 39, Heron I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, the the Sergey Heronov is. With the few fights that are left to them, I would rather they go yeah. do something else. It's the same way I fear feel about the Mir versus Nelson rematch that Bellator also just announced. <laughs> you know, yeah. Mir and Nelson are both on the wrong side of 40 and have taken a lot of shots to the head. Yeah. Ideally, I, I don't want to retire any fighter because I'm not the one who has to feed their family. But I, I, I at least hope they're very careful with what they're doing with themselves. And having said that, if they're going to fight X number more times... Why run back a boring fight? The first yeah. Mir Nelson fight was terrible. You know, if you've got <laughs> Mitrione and Heratonov and Mir and Nelson all milling around, mix it up, do something different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but you know, these guys, you can't. No one's gonna. They have to make that decision to hang yep. it up. You know what I mean? It's 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 not something that you can tell them and and you know the, not have some some sort of uh, pushback on. Um, you know, like, like, you, especially when you look at these guys when they do retire, they usually, I mean, or I guess around 40 when they retire, they're going to be done. But if you look at guys like, you know, when Chael finally retired, which it seems like for good, it, you know, it was because he hit for in his 40s. Um, but Uriah Faber's already coming back because he, you know, sometimes maybe these guys just need a break, you know. So, but like you, the thing you said about, uh, it's funny you mentioned um, uh, Mir and Nelson. Because when I put up the, you know, they, the Bellator sent out the images and stuff for to announce it, and I, I put it up on Twitter, that was the, the only one ever, ever, no one cared about the, because I put them up together with the the, the Saturday night with the Lehman McDonald, and nobody seemed to care about that. Everyone had a comment to make about Mira Nelson, and I was just like, come on, man. That's how I felt bad for them, but I, I also, you know, I hear where you're, where they're coming from. And th- that's the funny thing, because I... I criticize Bellator's approach all the time. You know, uh, all the time I, I'm like, why do they have to top their cards with matches matchups of like 40-something UFC retreads, especially heavyweights? Heavyweights do not age like wine. <laughs> you know, well, all, yeah. all, the, all the things that make a bad heavyweight fight get worse as you get older. They get slower. Yeah. Their cardio gets worse. So I... But then at the same time, things like this will happen, and it kind of uh, validates or justifies what Bellator is doing. Because, yeah, they, they put out a really intriguing fight between two of their best fighters, you know, Lima and McDonald, and it doesn't get as much interest as 
a, a rematch between two forty something heavyweights. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I, obviously they do it because they know the these guys that are veterans and legends and stuff. You know, their name recognition is going to draw, and by drawing them, you know, the the fighters in the, on the undercard hopefully get some exposure. But um, yeah, man, because the when I look at their younger talent, I feel because like, everyone as soon as people think about knocking Bellator. They're, they they want to knock you know them for oh okay you're bringing all the you know the old timers into fight but no one it looks like the the outside of the hardcores nobody really pays mind to like the the young and up and coming guys that they have uh, over there until until they start getting beat up themselves and and you know then they become legends or 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 what have you but um yeah man I don't know I definitely think uh it'd be nice to see uh you know uh a younger guy getting featured the only time they do it really i think is when when if there's a, a veteran defending a title or something against somebody that's been putting people away and um but they also don't have a pay-per-view model too so i don't know it, it's weird it's weird but uh i get i feel like bellator is more of like the hardcore fans promotion if you're looking at the top promotions i don't know what do you think well they've got a mixture i mean they definitely have names and fighters on their card that are out there to intrigue hardcore fans. You yeah. know, uh, they do an outstanding job at grabbing high-level talents from component arts of mixed martial arts. Like, they'll grab the point karate star, like Valerie Lareda, or, I mean, they signed that whole clutch of all-American wrestlers back yeah. in 2014 or so, like, you know, Pico and Fortune and Storley and, uh, you know, all, all those cats that they signed and have really brought them along in a very intelligent manner. Mm-hmm. They haven't fed any of them to the wolves. Like, you know, a lot of people kind of laughed at, at the misfortune when Aaron Pico lost his first fight. Uh, but that wasn't on Bellator. They've matched him very sensibly. Yeah. You know, and it's just turning out that Aaron Pico hasn't demonstrated a, a well-rounded skill set yet. He's a great boxer and he's a great wrestler. Like, he's got the bricks, but, like, the, the mortar in between the bricks hasn't shown up yet. Uh, so, I mean, that, as a hardcore fan myself, that's what intrigues me, you know, when mm-hmm. they, or, or when they sign a Dylan Dennis, I mean, you know, there are all the punchlines about Dylan Dennis write themselves. I've interviewed him for, uh, for SureDog.com. I've, you know, I've spoken to the guy and it's, it's very easy to laugh at his kind of, you know, uh, department store brand Conor McGregor kind of <laughs> stick that he has going on, yeah. <laughs> but he is a legit grappler. Yeah, and and I I know that you are a guy who trains yourself. Yeah. One thing I I said to to Dennis when I interviewed him, and I wasn't trying to butter him up. I was just trying to kind of open an avenue of conversation. But I said that he was the grappler that I would show to an MMA fan who thinks grappling is boring, because he's this super aggro guy that's bent on the finish almost to the point that he doesn't do as well as he might in some competitions because he doesn't know how to score points. You know mm. what I mean? He, yeah. All he knows how to do is, is try to finish you. And, and he actually liked that, but yeah, I mean, Bellator does a great job of grabbing, you know, kind of stars from different arts and, and seeing if they can make them into great mixed martial artists. Uh, that, that is a great thing for me as a hardcore fan, but then the vehicle they use to get that in front of as many eyes as possible is for the ultra ultra casual fans. Just mm-hmm. throw in some name that they might recognize from eight years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I guess uh, I don't know, man. I mean, uh, there's who knows what what's in the future for them as far as like 
with the way uh, the way the sport's being pro. I mean, obviously now it's in the forefront. Everybody knows what MMA is, and and it's on TV almost every day with ESPN having the both the UFC and PFL there. But um, you know, with the the streaming stuff coming, who knows how much easier it's going to get for folks to just access more more of the promotions like Bellator and CES and all these other ones that are out there. Um, but um, talking about the the sports growth, obviously uh, a lot of people like to say. Uh, with, with the sale of the UFC um, that uh, Conor McGregor was responsible for it. Then we have, you know, then he goes and does this high-profile boxing. We don't see him for a while, and now he did this interview uh, last week with uh, Helwani. And um, I just wanted to get your take on it because, obviously, there were so many. Uh, we got a lot of information out of it. I, I wrote an article at Sure Dog based on the information as far as fighting goes and, and the sport itself. But then there was a lot of people that uh, there's people that wrote blogs and reactions to how the interview was conducted. So just as, as someone in this space uh, at your level, like yourself, what did you think of that? Like as far as uh, I mean, the news, not only the news that came out of it as far as his potential return, but um, the way that it came about and how it was handled. Uh, the, there's part of me that has a, a very cynical take on it and then there's part of me that uh sees it as kind of sincere you know like the thing that made the biggest news out of it was him acting apologetic and contrite and talking about some of his public missteps uh you know and saying that he has to take responsibility for them and, and kind of change the the direction his life is going mm-hmm. that's what got the biggest headlines but what the bulk of the interview was about was you know talking about his past fights and then talking about his return and throwing out names of potential opponents. Uh, I do think he's sorry and does want to change, you know, how things have been going for him. Mm. I mean, he is, I, I, at least I don't think, I don't think he's a sociopath. You know, I, mm. he's definitely someone with poor impulse control, you know, who almost like John Jones gets in trouble when he is idle and doesn't have something going on to keep him focused on the next goal. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he needs MMA as much as it needs him. Like he clearly goes off the rails when he is not training for something. Yeah. And that's, um, I mean, so that I don't leave you hanging like, like, like I was putting you out there to, to catch any heat. I mean, uh, my take on it was, uh, and I actually say this a lot to my training partners. I've said it on this podcast before. Um, I think when you're as young as, as you know, as far as when they've started making a lot of money in the sport, him, John Jones is another example. When you're as young as they are and you get a lot of money and, and, and you, be, you become, you know, uh, a face in, 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 the, in the space that they're in, I think it, the, it, something happens to them where they start to feel untouchable and, and like you said, impulse control and stuff like that. And, um, I mean, and I, it's, I'm going to get a little personal here, but, uh, you know, like as somebody myself, like I'm, I'm – I'm up there in age now, but when I was younger, when I was, uh, you know, the age of Connor and John Jones, I had issues with my temper and stuff like that and, uh, impulse control and things like that. And, um, so in his apology, I mean, I thought it was sincere too. I actually believed he was sorry too, because I could tell just by the, the tone and the way he was saying it, it seemed familiar to me as somebody that, 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 uh, had his own issues in the past with, uh, controlling anger and stuff like that um one of the things that uh one of the criticisms i had because uh you know helwani was like he didn't really ask he asked him what he's doing to fix it but he never really like 
he didn't get into any specifics. And I don't know if that was controlled by Connor's people or what, but you know, usually when someone says like, ask you, okay, I'm going to do better. You want to know how, like, what are you doing? So like in my case, when I was like, when I was 29, 30 years old, I, I knew I needed to get anger management. So I went and got it, but I didn't hear Conor McGregor say anything like that. You know what I mean? So I don't know if, if, if there's anything that you caught from that, as far as like looking to how he's fixing himself, um, that, that left you wondering as far as, uh, as far as how he's going to fix moving forward goes. I didn't hear any specific plans out of him, and Helwani definitely did not hold his feet to the fire over it. You know, he let him kind of just pivot away from it. I mean, the thing I took away from it, it it confirmed what seems to be the case over the last, you know, now two years since he fought uh, Floyd Mayweather, that he's not been active in any combat sport. He needs the sport as badly as it needs him. At, At the heart of it all, he is a dude who loves to fight. He loves martial arts. He loves the competition. Uh, he says all sorts of outrageous things before a fight, but after a fight, he's usually pretty level-headed. He loves fighting, and he is watching it pass him by. I mean, if you watch mm-hmm. his patterns over the last year or two, anybody that wins a fight between 145 and 170, Connor sending out the congratulatory tweet. Mm. It, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Holloway, Iaquinta, uh, Masvidal, whoever, you know, just sending out a little congratulations just to kind of keep himself in the storyline and keep himself relevant. I think Nate Diaz coming back so triumphantly the weekend before last yeah. killed McGregor. I think it completely killed him to see Diaz come back, look great. I mean, I did not pick Diaz to win that fight, and I was dead wrong. Diaz looked sensational. And he was his same old kind of hilarious self on the mic. His star has not diminished. If anything, it's it's gotten bigger since then. The crowd erupted for the guy. And I think McGregor watching that happen and his own name not being in Diaz's mouth mm. makes him feel like it's passing him by and he's growing irrelevance. And I think, I mean, when, you, when all the, the, the money and the fame and, and – the jet set lifestyle, you know, is, is kind of getting stale for him because you know he's a father, and I, I, I think he's he's terrified that the sport is passing him by. I, I think the timing of this, even more than the video coming out of him punching the dude in the bar, I, I think the return of Diaz and Diaz and Masvidal just kind of matchmaking themselves in the cage afterwards. <laughs> Yeah. probably sparked this as much as anything because Conor McGregor is perfectly at liberty to ignore public scandals. I mean, you remember the whole phone smashing thing that happened just a couple months ago, right? Yeah. He didn't say squat about it. Yeah. He said something about this because he needed a long form interview with Helwani to get himself back into the sport, you know, with, with the appropriate amount of publicity around it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, you know what? Like you said, like you said, he, every time uh, a high-profile fight happens, he does feel the need to comment on it. But um, as far as like like going back to the thing with uh, with his impulse control too, I think if somebody has issues with reactions like him at the level that he competes at, because like for me, I've actually said you know to a lot of people that because like you said, I I do train, but you know at, you know there's levels to 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 everything. And even though I hold a black belt and all that stuff, I'm still a hobbyist compared to professional fighters. And um, 
So I'm a weekend warrior. But if I don't have those 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 weekends that I put in my time, the the three days a week that I do it, then um you know I I, I definitely have a little more trouble controlling myself. So someone like him that fights at a high level, professional level, if he doesn't have, I mean, he went from fighting three times a year to no times a year. So, <laughs> so, so it's like, I mean, I'm pretty sure the things we've seen, the phone, the phone thing, the old man in the pub thing, has a lot to do with that. I mean, it's not justifying it, but um, I think, like you said, it's a combination of, of uh, as far as the interview coming out, it's a combination of just not being out of the space, and um, the other thing was uh, uh like um. I, I wonder if, like, the thing with the phone, and I, who knows how this thing happened with, I know they said it's being investigated with the old man in the pub, but all these other issues, you know, I wonder if it's starting to cost him that he needs to do something <laughs> to make money. You know what I mean? Like, outside of, I mean, I know he's he's not hurting that bad. He's got other things going on. But, uh, and I actually talked about this with my training partners, too. I'm like, okay, I know he's got a clothing, he's investing in a clothing line. And and the and the proper twelve thing. So we see a lot of the proper twelve stuff, but I don't see you know I don't see McGregor shirts hanging in 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 any stores around here. So I mean I just started seeing proper twelve at the liquor store around the corner from me. So I don't know I don't know how well that's paying off for him either. So maybe maybe he he needs he's he's got to go back to the original well he found his fortune in and just start fighting again. I. I completely agree with you. And if he comes back, the person he fights against may be the difference between it being a 10 and a $25 million payday for him. So, yeah, you know, that that's why he has particular names in his mouth. Yeah. And then the names they asked him about too, like he says, he said he wanted to pay, pay attention to uh, what happened in what happens in Abu Dhabi. Um, but, um, you know, like he holds a win over Poirier and he holds a win over Holloway. But, uh, you know, we talk about this stuff after training with my training partners all the time. And, and I said to, to them, I was like, I don't if he fights them again, I don't think he, he beats them again because, you know, he kind of stayed that McGregor's style is kind of the same. Both Holloway and Poirier have evolved a lot as martial artists. Yes. You know, you know what I mean? So, like, I don't think I mean, he's not fighting the same cats. This is this isn't, you know, this isn't pre uh, WME IMG. UFC, you know no. what I mean? These guys are the top of the food chain now. I mean, Poirier is an evolved version of himself. I mean, he's the same fighter, just better at everything. Holloway is a different fighter. Holloway was 20 when they fought. Like, that fight looks completely different. I mean, maybe McGregor does beat him again if they fight again, but the fight yeah. doesn't look the same. Yeah. Yeah, no, so, I mean, who knows uh, if he's waiting on 242's outcome. Um, you know, I, I, and who knows if he's even got a, a, a dog in that fight. Cause ultimately they're going to, if he needs to fight and come back before the end of the year, it's the only, the other thing I got out of that interview, he's got, he's going to have to take something that he wouldn't have normally taken eight months ago or whatever, you know, just the fact that he seemed to acquiesce to the idea that he might be the co-main instead of the main events in his comeback fight. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something that he would not have accepted a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no. So, I mean, it looks like we caught the same thing, but um, I guess, uh, I mean, I know this weekend, I'm not going to, I'm probably going to miss the, uh, the, the UFC event this weekend. Um, so I, I do have my picks for it, but uh, I don't know how your picks have been doing, but uh, on sure dog, but 
Uh, I don't think I've I've I don't think I've saved myself from how good I used to be versus <laughs> versus what's been happening. I think I did all right this last weekend though. I don't know about you. How'd you do? I I did not. Well, I mean, we were whittled down to only four picks. Yeah. By by the end of it, just because you know the oh, yeah. uh, the what do you call it fight was changed so late. The Minikov fight was changed so late that we didn't have time to get picks again from all 21 people worldwide. So we ended up with a four-fight card. I went two for four, which made me the worst person on the entire Sherdog <laughs> team. Everyone else did got at least three right. Yeah, I think, I think I'm, I got three right. I was looking at it uh, yesterday. Um, it's been a crazy weekend for me, though. So, um, But uh, all right, man. I mean, that that's pretty much it. I just wanted to catch up with you and have you come on and uh, fill in. I mean, you had offered when we did uh, Off the Chains. Uh, is that every Monday you guys record and it comes out on Wednesdays, right? No, it comes out on Tuesday. Uh, it, it premieres Tuesday afternoon. Just enough time to kind of, you know, do the little edits that the video needs. The longer it sits, you know, the, the more the stories stale or even change. <laughs> just because things move so fast in this sport but no it's been a pleasure talking to you i i you know i, I do it anytime uh definitely a lot of fun to kind of weigh on weigh in on these things that are still fresh from the weekend yeah definitely man i appreciate it and uh you got if you got anything you want to plug outside of the suredog.com and and uh your twitter handle and stuff uh but by all means go ahead oh well i mean uh my twitter handle is at benjamin duffy uh, I'm I'm the only one, and on you can find me on SureDog.com. There's a little drop-down menu on your features, and if you click that, I'm I'm in that menu, and you can just click on that and go to all my stuff. But I publish something or other on the site most weeks, and I'm behind a lot of the pieces that you see. Cool, and uh, as always, folks that are listening can uh, follow the podcast at uh, Combat Hour on Twitter, and me on Twitter at Carbazel. Um, and that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to add the audio from, uh, just because I had you on, uh, I'm going to add the audio from my uh, Taiwan Claxton interview from uh, that I did for Sure Dog on, on the end of this podcast for uh, the Bellator in San Jose because uh, Matt is actually going to that event. Um, he usually goes to the West Coast, though, for the podcast a lot on his own. So... Uh, I'm going to do that, but uh, Sure Dog Dog themed podcast episode this week. So thanks again, Ben Duffy, for uh, filling in for Matt. Thanks for having me, Ed. Cool. All right, Taiwan Claxton, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk. Obviously, uh, we're talking because you're booked for the uh, Featherweight Grand Prix. Bellator 226 against Emmanuel Sanchez. Um, uh, We were dealing with some technical difficulties, but you were just saying how... uh, how you got the call and how you got picked to, to be a part of this. Yeah. Um, you know, my manager hit me up uh, and basically said, you know, after my last fight, get ready, you might be in the tournament. Uh, a couple guys dropped some hints here and there at, at different Bellator events, like, hey, don't get too heavy, uh, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. But ultimately they gave me the call to, hey, uh, you know, do you want to step up in competition? Uh, do you want, basically, do you want to take the fast lane? And uh, I told him to send over the contract. Yeah, I mean, that seems like something that's right up your alley. I know when we had messaged each other about talking today, I had talked about how I saw your second fight uh, when you fought in Connecticut at Mohegan Sun. And something you said that night stood out to me because that, that was in 2018, or at the beginning of 2018. And you said you wanted to fight five times that year. You only got to fight like three times. So uh, this is something that's right up your alley. Like you, you would prefer to be in, in something that's bracketed like this, right? Uh, 
well, what's what's bracketed? <laughs> so well, the tournament's not bracketed. That, no, that's what I mean. Like, like the, yeah, yeah, like, like, like you know, you're gonna you're gonna fight again as soon as your fight is over. The first fight is over. Obviously, you have an idea of who you're gonna fight. So um, that's what I meant by that. Yeah. So uh, you know, they're doing a second part of that tournament, kind of crazy, as in you know, you kind of just pick a pick a ball and and you know you can kind of play a little game playing from there and, and going from there but you basically got to be ready to fight him so you know, i'm sorry five. you broke up go ahead <laughs> uh so when it comes down uh fighting five times or four times like i've done that before i've i've wrestled my entire life so i'm used to competing week after week after week after week uh, I actually find my mojo a little better when I when I do that. And then uh, you know, if you look at my my shirt dog or you you look at uh, you know my topology, you'll see that I fought in a, a featherweight tournament as an amateur, and that was my last four fights. Uh, and the, and it was in tournament style, and it was just like this, like separation. And you can see as the tournament progresses, it goes from decision to knockout to KO to TKO uh so for me it's the more more time I'm in there it's you know as the more frequently I'm in there the better it is uh because I just start to feel like I'm at home and and of course the last couple of fights you can tell that just stepping in there I feel like I'm at home so it's uh the the term style I think it's going to work out in my favor yeah, um, that's actually something I was going to ask. You, you mentioned your wrestling background, um, uh, so this is something that that it's not you're not a stranger to this. And, and I actually I didn't know about the uh, the the previous tournament experience, so that's news to me. Um, you talked, you mentioned your 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 uh, your sure dog profile. Uh, they have your fighter name listed as Speedy. So did you switch it to Air when you got that it's, knee finish? It's been officially air since since uh, the second fight, <laughs> you know, since my sophomore debut. So, uh, you know, some some people are getting with it, some people aren't. But you know, everything's been Eric Claxton uh, from 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 that flying knee forward. So, clear that record up now. <laughs> uh, I'll definitely make sure I mention it to them. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh... Uh, with fight, fighting Sanchez, I know I know somebody uh, had said something about uh, the experience difference, but you you had mentioned before. Um, again, after that second fight, I remember you talked about uh, some of your training partners and how hard you've gone at it in training. So, um, what do you have to say about folks saying that uh, your your opponent Sanchez has uh, more experience than you? He does. <laughs> you know what, what do you want me to say about that? Look. Here's here's the beautiful thing about this fight. Yes, he has more experience than me, uh, you know, and he's only lost to the to the top, you know, tier guys. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, he has I think he has more cage experience than me. But as far as like being a competitor um, in combat sports and just the level of um, I don't know, competition that I've surround myself with and that I've been surrounded with from the beginning of my career uh, and the level of technique that I've learned and the, and the things that I've learned, uh, I've learned early on. You know, you got to think, I just turned pro in 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at the end of 2017, it's, it's been a pro since I want to say maybe maybe uh, 11, 
you know, something like that. Around that time, I was still in fucking high school, man. But, uh, you know, I've got that experience because it was sink or swim. Uh, and I was one of two amateurs. And it was a sink or swim on that Black Zillions team. And I'm a shark. So, you know, you throw me with sharks. I'm going to come out a big shark. You know, I'm going to come out the biggest shark. Uh, so, yeah, he has experience. But, you know, I've trained with guys at a high level that have that kind of experience. Uh, that have those tough fights. And, uh, of course, it's going to be a little different once you get inside the cage uh, in four-ounce gloves. But then at the same time, you know, I don't think he's going to show me anything that that I've never, ever seen before. You know, uh, I just don't think that shit's going to happen. So <laughs> we'll we'll see. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, definitely. So the uh, one of the things you also said uh, uh, after after your win back when I last spoke to you, was that you always look for the highlight finish um, because uh, one thing that you seem to understand coming into the sport professionally, uh, and that was only your second fight back then, um, is is uh, you know giving fans what they want. So is is obviously for this format, uh, getting finishes and and you know taking the least amount of damage that's, in any fight really is is something that's uh, ideal. So are you looking to uh, to continue the 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 highlight finish? Uh, the, your own personal highlight finish reels? Uh, you know, I think that I'm going in there looking to dominate. Uh, that's also just my mindset. As far as, like, highlight finishes, it's not something I'm looking for. You know, I, I'm never going in there looking to throw this or looking to throw that. You know, I, I make reads while I'm in there. Uh, but I'm always looking to dominate. You know, it's never so much as me looking for a highlight, but it's a way for me to whether I'm dominating physically, mentally, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm looking to dominate once I step inside that cage. So uh, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say if I did say that I like to go for the highlight finish, maybe I like one of the fights and then highlights, but uh, you know, I'm not going in there looking for, for the highlight. Yeah, because I mean, the only reason I, uh, I think you brought that up back then, because everyone was still talking about the flying knee. I mean, you, you, you kind of did it before it became a thing. You know what I mean? Like you did that in in uh, 2017, 2018. So, like now you now every time someone does it, it's on ESPN and stuff like that, and so is yours. So it's like, you know, it's one of those things that uh, if you can get a finish like that, it it's, it definitely keeps you popular on social media. But speaking of social media, I know we follow each other and. Uh, uh, you you put up a lot of stuff about uh, your your life outside of fighting and uh, like your coding and your computer coding and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Are you self taught or is that what you went to school for? No, my degree is in healthcare with a concentration in marketing. So yeah, I'm self taught. Uh, so many resources online. Uh, <laughs> if you if you got the willpower and you're driven, you can you can uh, learn anything. And so tech is something that um, I like to. Uh, learn, you know, in my spare time and teach a little bit in my spare time and, and how I like to use my spare time uh, because I, it correlates so well with fighting to me. You know, uh, the same way you will set up an app, the same way you will structure an app, it's the same mm -hmm. way I'm gonna, I structure my practices. It's the same way that I structure, you know, my angles, my exits, you know, my mixing things up. Uh, you know, with coding, there's a million different ways to do one thing. Uh, oh, I lost you for a minute there. Uh, but it's about the. I think with coding, 
you know, it, it correlates over to fighting the same way because fighting is about the next step and the next step and the next step and, and how you can be the most efficient. And so uh, those two together allows me to work my brain in, 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 in different ways. Uh, in yeah. ways that, that make my fight IQ a little higher than somebody that's got five fights, but uh, experience is experience, right? Yeah, yeah. No, you seem really computational. I mean, uh, even like back then and, and now and, and and when you're talking about this stuff it just looks like the way you you put the fighting uh technique and and the way you see fights together along with the videos that you put up uh, i know you had to put up some instructionals too on coding um it just seems like like i could see that how you mix it together really well because I, I had a follow-up question was how you use it in mma but you you kind of already uh led into that um yeah yeah so that i mean that's 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 really interesting so i guess that so, so when you when you fight um, you, you're not somebody that studies footage. You, you, I guess you kind of look at the problem at, at hand and then react to whatever your opponent gives you. Yeah. Well, so my coach usually studies film, uh, uh, and then he'll come to me and say this, 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 and then, you know, I usually don't watch film. Uh, I'll watch maybe one fight, which, you know, even for Sanchez, I've have watched one fight, uh, and, you know, my coach is pretty, pretty smart as well. And I think part of, you know, being able to grow as a fighter is being able to take criticism and being able to adapt and overcome. Uh, each fight, I've seen something different that uh, basically a weakness in which I would exploit myself to beat myself. And, you know, my coach does the same thing. And uh, I think that we have a good idea of what their game plan is and how he would beat me. Uh, how he would think, you know, go about beating me. Yeah. And uh, I think we got a good game plan to counter that. Uh, like you said, flying knees are the are all the rage today, you know. So, uh, but I think that, like I said, I think that, um, you know, just how you approach it is is everything. And I and I think that I have the right people around me to tell me, hey, no, hey, yes. Uh, and I also have my own brain. So, all of it working together. Uh, it's been getting me the results that I wanted. So, I tell you, man. I mean, it's 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 refreshing to speak to a young, a young pro athlete that that that's found their calling, you know, at a young age, and and you know is is good at it, and mature and intelligent like yourself. So, I really do appreciate the time you taking the time out to talk. I mean, if you got any um uh, sponsors or anything you want to shout out, I know you had somebody make the the air clacks and mouth guard. So, <laughs> so feel free to feel free to plug away. Uh. Go Koji. Uh, check out GoKoji.com. It's one of my tech sponsors. Uh, made with Koji uh, on social media. Very good uh, tech template. Uh, templates for apps. So uh, I'm working on building some templates to put on there myself. And it's a, a nice tech sponsor of mine. And uh, shout out to Gladiator Guards. They do make my mouth guards. Uh, we try to uh, not need need mouth guard as much and you know don't get hit as much but uh they do an excellent job with mouth guard so uh shout out to those guys other than that uh follow me at tclax149 on instagram and on twitter i know i'm lazy on twitter man i'm lazy y'all gotta get me going uh <laughs> but uh yeah follow me on social there and just be ready for for a uh a good showing and a good out in september 7th cool september 7th like you said uh uh, Bellator 226. Uh, 
thanks again so much for for taking the time to talk. Uh, I'll be sure and keep you going on Twitter. I'm on there all the time. But uh, and I'll also make sure Sure Dog uh, puts air up up in your up in your uh, profile. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> all right, cool. Thank you so much. All right, catch you later, man. Take care. Hey guys, Ed here, East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions, and in some, the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, thanks again for listening, and if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast, maybe uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.